Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that loves to talk about your love lives. Today we have Zoe, Ozzy, Adelaide, and Charlotte. And it's a new year, but same us here at Season of the Bitch, because today we're back with another installment of Revolutionary Romance. Um, Yeah, we love to talk about sex and dating while giving solicited advice, um, because for some reason y'all trust us, and thank you so much for that. Um, As always, thank you to everyone who wrote in. We love you. We couldn't do these episodes without you, and... um, We really love doing these episodes. They're very fun for us as the co-hosts. So thank you for that. Exactly. We love, we love to have a time where we can just talk about the the stuff that matters, which is this stuff. I mean, all this stuff matters, but. (laughs) Exactly. It's nice. Sometimes we want to break from the politics and intellect of it all to to talk about the real issues, which is what's (laughs) up in your dating lives. Exactly. So. Um, for today's revolutionary romance, we decided to focus specifically on um, queer experiences, particularly like newer queer experiences, crushes, drama, etc. You name it, we asked to hear about it. Um, yeah, so we collected questions and comments from y'all on Instagram and Twitter and Discord, and I think we're going to get into some of that. I can read the first one to get us started. So this is from Instagram. Someone asked, how do us sapphic folks avoid the parentheses seemingly inevitable post-breakup situationship? What a great question. Um, <laughs> I also, so like obviously all of us have had many different experiences. So just know that all of these things come obviously with our own tinge to it but um I mean just because uh, I'm seeing the word avoid here uh for me I didn't I stopped the situationship situations uh when I started having stronger boundaries and a stronger sense of self um like do I actually still want to be friends with this person or are they kind of toxic and need to figure out their shit before something like that can happen Um, in my dating life that overwhelmingly has been yes. Um, so, uh, you know, that is something that you kind of have to evaluate for yourself. Um, but also if it's a connection that's lingering because of sex, um, you know, I always think it's a fun time to then buy yourself a new sex toy and explore having Mm -hmm. sex with yourself on a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea. I think also, um, depending on how long relationships are, I do think that like post breakup sex as like a one or two time thing after really long relationships is pretty normal. So I do just want to put that. And Um, definitely have experienced that myself too. And yeah, no shit. Yeah, I was like just talking to a friend about it. So it's fresh in my mind because um the friend was feeling embarrassed and i was like i honestly think that that is a very normal thing to do um (laughs) totally (laughs) and yeah i think there's also times 
when it makes sense to be like friends or maintain a connection but a lot of times for me i'm like if we broke up i probably actually don't want you really in my life um so (laughs) kind of unrelated content for me personally that's also like my sad shit um i've like briefly tried to maintain contact on occasion with people i've had a romantic thing or relationship or situationship with but typically um I'm just kind of like no buy and also like what I need to get over things is often just kind of like a no contact um deal at the end totally yeah I totally relate to that I feel like I also have had like I don't know not as much experience with like relationships that ended but lingered honestly not because I have anything against it but mostly because I just like emotionally cannot handle it so I just like have to cut off contact but um I guess, like, I think that setting boundaries around whatever specific things are feeling negative for you, because I think, like Adelaide said, like, the fact that this word avoid is here, it's like feeling like you're doing something that you have mixed emotions about. And I think wherever, like, the negative piece of that is coming from, if it's from the fact that y'all are still having sex, or if there are other boundaries that you need with this person, like, maybe not spending time alone together right now um, or just taking a break from hanging out like whatever it is that you're feeling like you need I think you should just have that conversation and see how that feels for you Um, and yeah I guess just overall I think like taking some time without communication or like adding space in terms of like what how you're communicating how you're spending time together I feel like that um, can be very helpful I feel like I, I don't know, I know a lot of friends who went through pretty serious breakups over the past year, uh, myself included, and I feel like there's always like a moment where it's like, I don't want to break up with this person or I don't want to like fully cut off contact because that is like so final and like what if i want to talk to them again later or what if we do want to have sex again one day in the future, like I don't want to put like a permanent end on that but like saying that you don't want to do that right now is also not permanent like you can change your mind in the future if that ever feels right and I think like the truth is in most cases that probably will never feel right and you'll just move on but like I think even if that is like what is going to happen in the future there's nothing wrong with just like being like I need xyz amount of time without contact or like I need us to not uh, I don't know, be at the same parties, like whatever whatever the thing is that is like feeling negative for you. Because I think that like continuing on with a type of relationship that's hurtful to you is also a pretty like permanent decision and how it impacts your day-to-day life. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying, Ozzy. I wanted to talk about this from uh, like how to stay friends with somebody that you're no longer romantically engaged with because the way that I read this question was like, how do you avoid a situationship, which I feel like tends to happen when you want to keep a person in your life, but like don't want it to be a an undefined thing. And I think the best way to do this, and like I have had some success with this in the past, is just being extremely like this is kind of building on all you said, but like being extremely explicit about like what you're okay with and what you're not okay with so like if you're like i my ex is a really important person to me i value them like 
for X, Y, Z reasons. And it's really important for me to have them in my life. But like continuing to be in this will they, won't they situation is harmful to my mental health. You can say all of that. And like, presumably this is a person that you care about and trust. And so like, you should be able to have an open conversation with them. But it's basically like, look, you're important to me. I would like to maintain some form of contact, but these are the ways that our current setup is harmful or is difficult for me or, or whatever it is that feels like an organic way to say it. But like, I think that when two people are committed to building a friendship, coming out of a relationship, it's possible. You just have to work hard at like being open, being transparent and like trusting each other to like, you know, like acting in good faith and trusting the other person is acting in good faith and like, you know, that you have each other's best interests in mind. And like, I don't know, I've been able to like build post breakup friendships in ways that have been really rewarding, but it takes work. <laughs> um, so just like communication, I feel like communication is always like the moral of our story when we do rev romance, but um yeah totally that's kind of what i was gonna say yeah the opposite oh, oh, go ahead. no i was just gonna say i totally agree with you and like i think especially if the you know if the reason that the relationship was ending was because like you know it just wasn't working out for the two of you but it's not like someone did an egregious thing or whatever um mm -hmm. i think that really shifts that you know and I and I think it is really important to then you know if you want to have that person in your life still to like communicate how that works but I think my mind just goes to like all the chaos breakups <laughs> that come with yeah no I, I, I like that also maybe like we don't have the, the information no totally um, totally we're know, answering it all just to cover all bases <laughs> yeah um the opposite of what I was just talking about is the following question which also came from Instagram which is how can I flirt with femmes without them misreading me as giving best friend vibes? So I think this is such a good question. Um, full disclosure, as the person who was fielding a lot of these questions on Instagram, um, when I first read this, I sent it to the other co-host and I said, if I knew, I would tell you. Um, so I really relate to this problem, but evidently the other co-hosts don't have the issue of just like perpetual bestie vibes. Um, so I guess they're they're going to help all of us through this one. <laughs> Happy to be of service. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I think this is a really interesting question. Um, first off, for me, flirting with someone regardless of their gender often shows up the same way. I think people get tripped up, especially if they're newer to hitting on someone of the same or similar gender. Um, you might feel more apprehensive about it or like, oh, it's, it must be so different. Um, the main thing that's different is usually people are much more respectful. <laughs> uh, but... I think um, the signals are really similar and there are ways to make that clear to people if they aren't getting the picture. Um, so I've dated predominantly femmes for the last six years or so. And now if I'm interested in someone who's mask, I think they need a little more like encouragement from me because they know that I'm very gay. <laughs> so that being said, I do think it depends on the location and situation uh, like if you're out at a public place like a bar or coffee shop and it's someone you don't know very well, maybe an acquaintance or a stranger, 
Um, I mean, maybe this is all my Scorpio placements talking, but I do think intense eye contact is often a signal, like an initial signal to people that you are interested. Um, Intense eye contact is definitely the way to go. Just gonna agree with you. Hell yeah. Hell yes. Um, so in case you don't know this trick, uh, if I'm out getting coffee or something and I see someone who is visibly queer in some way. I compliment a part of their outfit or jewelry or hair, whatever that clearer queer signal is that they have going on. And that's a quick way to let someone know like, hey, I'm gay too. And I'm into the vibe you have going on. Also, if you see a femme come up to you and do that to you, that is, you know, you have to also be aware that people may be hitting on you. Um, um, I'm now realizing the amount of times I didn't realize I was being hit on. I, I was just thinking that, Luke. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it goes both ways, you guys. I was just like, oh my god, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, when they're compl- like, I re- literally, yes. And obviously, not every queer person is signaling, and they don't have to. They shouldn't have to. But usually, there is something that you may notice that clues you in. Yeah, I wanted to jump in on this, like also to talk about like in specifically queer spaces where you can probably assume that the person that you're interested in is like gay in some capacity um i think this is a really good trick in general i was having a conversation with um a woman who was like nobody we were at a a a lesbian bar she was like nobody here knows how to hit on people except for you and i was like that's not true and she's like no like but, like, if people definitely have a hard time, like, breaking into other groups. Like, what is your secret for, like, going up to somebody and, like, meeting them? And I was, like, my my secret, um, the secret ingredient is to, like, at a, at a queer bar, like, walk up to somebody you're interested in and be, like, hey, I really like X thing. And the thing has to be something that is not their body, like, not their face not like a physical characteristic of theirs it can be their hair it could be their like eyeshadow it could be their jacket like whatever something that is not objectifying them but giving them a compliment and that's an easy intro and then you can if they say oh thanks i appreciate it and don't say anything else then they're probably not interested but if they're like oh my god thank you like i really like your blank too like exactly by the way like i'm you know blah 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 that's your in mm-hmm. like so so if you see somebody especially at a place where you don't have to worry about whether or not they're gay like an easy way to get in that avoids a lot of what i think i think especially people who are like sapphic in some form are afraid of like hitting on other people the way that like cis men hit on people and the best way to avoid doing that is to not objectify the person that you're hitting on but just like Give them a nice compliment. Um, I agree with that objecting people, obje- objecting, objectifying people. And also, if someone walked up to me and said, hey, I like your face, I would be sure they were hitting on me. So just saying. I mean, Sometimes that's true. being obvious. <laughs> but like, if you want to go for some, like, this is kind comment. of like an intro. It's not like putting yourself out there too much. It's like a gauging interest. And then you can kind of like move on from there to that's it's my true. that's my advice it's but true. if you see zoe I mean, out about definitely tell them that you like it. <laughs> well no sometimes zoe and oz are absorbing the lesson here so they're sometimes, gonna know now 
The reason some yeah. of are oblivious is people will compliment my outfits, and I'm like, that's true, this is a cute outfit. Like, Oh, yeah, you no, you can't end there. <laughs> like, you can't stop there. That's just the way that you start a conversation with somebody. Yes. Well, now I know. And if you want me to be sure, tell me you like my face. Or, you know, your ass, because um, it's a beautiful one. <laughs> um, but no, if so, again, like Kellen was saying, that's kind of like an introductory um, space to that. If then you're chatting with them for a while and it's clear there's a good vibe, um, you know, like they're clearly reciprocating what you're putting out. You could gently touch their arm or upper back. Um, obviously, this can feel tough for us. Many of us have had very terrible experiences with cis men who cross a lot of boundaries when we don't want them to touch us. But think back to those experiences. Often there wasn't already a connection happening between you, and often they would go directly for the lower back or some part of your body that is much more vulnerable than your arm, hand, or upper back. Sometimes if I'm sitting with someone, I might put my hand on their thigh, but like right above their knee if they're telling me a story that like elicits wanting some comfort. Um, Again, far enough away from potentially triggering areas, but some light physical touch can be a good way to let someone know you're interested. And when you do this, and this is critical, pay attention to the other person. Pay attention to their eyes, their face, their body language. You'll know if they're into it or not very quickly. And if it feels like they're not okay with it, obviously then you just don't do that again and continue talking more like friends. Because we are not cis men, we have the lovely opportunity to show other femmes and queer people how to appropriately behave when we feel a no or rejection. So, so, so many of us have experienced the wrath of a cis man when he is rejected, and that is something we all have an opportunity to reprogram with each other. Additionally, I think once you're chatting and the gentle touch seem to go well, you can, like, say to the other person, like, hey, I think you're really cute, just so you know, and I'd like to get to know you better. Yeah, I really like these points about physical touch because I think specifically one of the barriers for... Me as like a femme person who gets hit on a lot, brag, um, and apparently even more than I realize, just getting hit on left and right. But like, I never want to make people uncomfortable in ways that I've been uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. therefore, I do just flirt with like friend energy. And then I just become friends with everyone that I had an inkling of a crush on. It's also fine that I'm like, this is fine. We're friends now. I think you, like, really have to, like, trust yourself to be able to read other people's um, energy, you know? And if that's something you have trouble with, it's, like, it's definitely something you can work on, too, you know? And I think trusting yourself as a non-predatory person, like, Mm -hmm. feeling grounded in that truth within yourself means that whatever way you do, if you try to um, contact in physical touch, like, in the ways I I kind of, like, laid it out because I do think this is a specific barrier for people, Um, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I think just generally interrogating within yourself and, like, knowing that you're not like that you will read the signals and that you will respect whatever boundaries come up. Like 
it, it is then also good to let people know that you're interested because as you, clearly this conversation is showing, it is hard to sometimes tell if that is what is happening to you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I definitely relate to everything you're saying, Zoe, as someone who's just very oblivious in general. I'm like, <laughs> people have done all these steps and I still was like, what? They're interested. <laughs> um, but That's I feel hilarious. like that is a really nice way of laying it out, Addie. Like this idea that we can like reprogram some of those responses and like there are like acceptable ways to like make a move and get a no and then respect that boundary that it's just like it's not that hard to do that and we can like trust ourselves to do that in many cases absolutely and also like sometimes you got to shoot your shot because i think particularly among sapphics uh this is a challenge (laughs) um (laughs) but so if this is already someone you're friends with like that is a little different and i think it may just require telling them that you think they're cute or maybe say something like hey our friendship is really important to me and so please know it's totally okay if you don't feel the same way but i think you're so cool and hot and if you ever wanted to be more than friends i wanted you to know that i'm open to and interested in that yeah also just because i know we're gonna get those like people on twitter who hate uh social scripts so if you want to say it in different words that's also chill well obviously. <laughs> yeah no obviously i'm not like say, say verbatim what no, i just said I know. in my words <laughs> i definitely i know you were saying that i'm just exactly. i feel like i have to hedge our our bets on this yeah. <laughs> but i guess yeah i interpreted this i think more on that end of things i think because mm-hmm. like I guess it's like the part where this person says that they're worried about giving best friend vibes. So I do get the vibe more that like there is some type of relationship here or like the risk isn't so much that like you won't ever hang out with them. It's more that they might not realize there's like romantic or sexual Mm -hmm. vibes there. Um, So I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about because this definitely is something that I have struggled with, but I feel like has gotten a lot better for me as I've been more just like openly queer and moving through the world as a visibly queer person. Um, And my theory as to why that is, is because like, okay, so if you have one person in a like a social relationship, who's like, definitely queer, like at some point in their life will come out and will be gay, And one person who, like, probably will, like, mostly live their life as a straight person, but has, like, some type of queer desire. You put those two people together, it's a recipe for disaster. Because one person will be very emotionally invested in pursuing Mm -hmm. this and, like, feeling a romantic connection, but not able to express it because they're not out yet. Or, like, not fully out, maybe not able to, like, access other common dating spaces like dating apps or queer bars or whatever. Um, The other person is not really that interested in actually having a romantic relationship, but probably really values the relationship for other reasons. And it just creates this like, I don't know, something that can feel to people like being strung along when I think it's like Mm -hmm. more so just a full miscommunication. Um, But I found myself in that situation a lot when I felt like I didn't have a lot of options for like, places to meet other queer people and so I Mm -hmm. felt like I was always pursuing like someone within my social circle who usually was probably straight because like that's who I was hanging out with Um, and once I actually started 
meeting more queer people and just like expanding my friendship circles mm-hmm. to include more queer people that problem just kind of went away and like I, I realized more recently like I was able to identify it because I feel like it's not something I'm struggling with anymore but it's definitely something like a lot of my early relationships had something of this dynamic because I wasn't able to like clearly communicate with the other person and just yeah. be straight up like hey I'm interested in being more than friends um, and give them a chance to say yes or no. So I guess that's, yeah, overall, my advice is just like, assuming this is someone you have some type of relationship with, just like, ask them on a date, or like, ask them if they want to kiss or like, whatever. I mean, you know, try to be like, somewhat appropriate to the situation. Don't just like, ask <laughs> if they want to kiss if you're like, coworkers at work. Um, but okay. like, you know, re- read the room. But like, I think just be upfront with them about like, what it is your feeling out of the relationship and see if they're interested. And like we were discussing earlier, like, you know, try to be very thoughtful about how they're responding and like, make sure that you give a lot of space for rejection and for them to be like, no, I'm not interested. Um, But like, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with just kind of being like, hey, here's how I feel because that's the only way you'll actually, like they can't respond if they don't know if you're interested. Um, and sometimes you just got to straight up be like, hello, I am interested in you. Yeah, I, I've done this multiple times. And I think especially like being in a situation where I'm in like an open relationship has made it like I have to be direct because otherwise people might just assume that I'm like not available. But I have with friends moved into in more than friend space whether that's just like making out one time or whether that's like dating by being really direct like reading the room and getting a sense that they would be interested in me too like we talked about above but like and maybe this was just the top energy but kind of directly communicating being like hey i know we're really good friends this is kind of what i'm feeling are you interested in this like let's talk about what it might mean for us and like sometimes having 45 minute conversations before one 20 minute makeout but like that's just gay vibes sometimes um and it's worked out and i've maintained friendships with people who i've done this with while also like getting the romantic or whatever kind of attention that i wanted so it's definitely possible okay so we had one last question from twitter which is Hi, season of the bitch. I'm navigating ENM, ethical non-monogamy, for the first time and had my first breakup. Not with my primary partner, but with the first person I was really dating, dating besides them. This person and I had kind of expected just to be friends with benefits, but we ended up getting really serious really fast in a way that made my partner uncomfortable and made the other person I was seeing uncomfortable because they knew I had a primary partner and found themselves wanting me to only be with them. So we broke things off basically because there were too many feelings, which is so hard. I guess I'm just looking for advice on how to handle the sadness I'm feeling about a breakup while also still being a good partner to my primary partner. It seems extremely gay. Just gonna throw that one out there. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, I went through something kind of similar to this, and I would love to know the answer, but I don't necessarily <laughs> feel that I do. Um, but I guess just like I, we got this question a bit later, so I'm just responding to this like off the cuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think like in my case, that situation revealed like some deeper issues in both of the relationships. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like now that some time has passed and I can reflect on it, like 
I don't know. It's like neither situation was actually working the way that it was. Um, neither relationship mm. was actually working the way that it was. Um, and I think that like, I don't know, I guess it's, it sounds like this person is like ending things possibly like before, like intentionally before anyone gets more hurt. Um, but I guess I just, I, I did feel like it revealed some things in my primary relationship that needed work. And so I guess I just would like encourage this person to be like open to that and curious about that right now. And like, I don't know if there are things about this other partnership that you kind of like felt a lack in your primary partnership, maybe like think about if those are things you might want to work on with your primary partner. Yeah. That's really good advice. Yeah. I think also, I mean, as you said, this is something new that you and your primary partner are trying out, but it's also something that you both agreed to. And like, you are, you know, honoring that your primary partner was uncomfortable by like ending things with the newer person. Um, But I, I don't think it's necessarily reasonable then to be expected. And I don't think, I mean, it's unclear if this is the case, but like for you to not feel sad about that. Um, like, I think you can be sad about how that went and like that the feelings were kind of unexpected for everyone involved in the situation, including you and the other person and the primary partner. Um, and that doesn't make you like a bad partner to them to also like be sad while, while navigating that. And kind of like Ozzy was saying, I mean, maybe that means there needs to be like more conversations, like you're learning what boundaries might need to look like for y'all to be non-monogamous um because there are things when you decide to do that that you can't necessarily like foresee or set all the boundaries before things happen and you realize like oh that's actually uncomfortable um and like not what we want and um kind of unfortunately (laughs) there's just a lot of like boundaries that are kind of crossed accidentally in relationships when like it's hard to anticipate all of the things that might happen yeah and i i I think everything you all said is really spot on and hopefully helpful and i think it's also just important to like feel your feelings you know and be honest about them but like feel them because I think like pushing things down is not good for anybody and it's only going to resurface in like worse way is if you don't deal with it. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. Thanks y'all. Very helpful to me personally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Should we move on to our word submissions? Let's do it. I can read this one. Um, (laughs) So I don't know how to phrase this. I would just say, like, I guess I feel like we asked for like, um, like if people wanted to share experiences, okay, with yeah, dating as well. So some of these are more comments than questions. That's yes, okay, okay. Ask for that. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we approved. Like, yes. Um. Okay. But this person was talking about an experience where, um, they did a bunch of Zoom calls to check in on their friend to ask if he was getting topped in the way that he needed or if he needed to dump him. Um, and i just wanted to say as a bottom thank you for your service we do need to be checked on regularly thank you so much of course (laughs) i love that um yeah i just wanted to use this as an opportunity to bounce off of this and just say that i think it's really fun and 
dare I say, even important to talk to your other queer friends about your relationships and like, even I think explicitly the type of sex you're having and like what is and isn't working for you in your sex life. Um, I just feel like we have so few models for what like normal or healthy relationships look like that we are all kind of figuring this out as we go along to a little bit more of a degree than like most cis straight people are. Um, And I think that like queer relationship dynamics for those and other reasons are like often more kind of thoughtful and considered than straight ones out of necessity. But then it's also like the lack of queer representation and all these other things means that we don't have as many examples outside of our personal lives of like, I don't know, just like the kinds of things that straight relationships have, like seeing celebrity couples in the media all the time and like having news items to discuss about it, seeing like 50 million movies every year that have these relationships and getting to talk about them. Um, I guess like now I'm saying this, it doesn't have to be about your own personal relationships, but I think like creating that space for like talking about what queer relationship dynamics should look like um, is really important. And I think doing that with friends is often very fun and great and like a really nice way to get closer to your friends in that sense. Um, So I guess just, I think that it's like a a learning opportunity um, and also just fun and some might call it gossip, but I just think it's friendship. Exactly. And like gossip, as we've discussed on this podcast many times, being a negative thing, like I think what Zoe's about to get into is that it can be um, in certain contexts, but um, but just generally talking to your friends about your experience is as a negative thing is a concept that was created by cis men because they didn't like the power that women had when they could get together and talk about all the shitty things their partners did to them. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't going to say anything negative. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I just also feel like sometimes shitting on, I mean, I think it's important to, to do whatever you need to survive, but I also feel like there are, there are people out there not listening to this podcast, obviously, but there are people out there who, intentionally want to cause harm when they talk about a person and i'm not down with that yeah i saw this tiktok recently that was like we're not shit talking people we're talking about shitty people exactly um which i love (laughs) but no what i was gonna add um is just like the word gossip used to mean like a woman's best friend who she would tell everything to so gossip and friendship actually just go hand in hand gossip's not bad um we love to gossip we're actually purely here today to gossip about your lives so thank you i just want to clarify a lot of this in my opinion could be positive gossip like oh, i yeah. hopefully this part of this check-in was like okay and if you're not getting top like what are we gonna do about it how are you gonna yeah make- as a bottom like let's talk about it and then like, hopefully, if they weren't getting topped properly before, now they are. So, exactly. I, and that's beautiful. Yeah. Agreed. And I think <laughs> asking questions rather than being, like, dump him. And, like, I know the person who wrote this, uh, It just by the way that they capitalized dump in him, were saying this is an homage to the Britney shirt. And so, like, to be clear, this is not directly adding this person. Um but, like, asking questions is helpful. Like, 
hey, so I know finding someone who prioritizes your pleasure is really important. How is that in this dynamic, etc.? Often when we just straight up tell people our opinions, especially if they didn't ask, it can come across as judgment, often because we grew up in judgmental households. And then your friend may become more closed off to you. Um, So coming from a place of love and curiosity is always a great way to be supportive of your friends. Totally. Yeah, I think also a lot of times when we like ask questions like that, if the answer is know that the needs are not being met then the friend will kind of realize that maybe not in the moment like it often takes more time than that depending on the situation but that kind of lets people come to that on their own accord um without potentially like becoming defensive which is often the case Mm -hmm. as a friend if you're just like i think your relationship is bad and you should dump the person that like rarely goes that well Mm -hmm. right (laughs) even if it's true (laughs) There, I definitely have have friends who like needed to uppercase D, uppercase H, dump him. But like, <laughs> not conclusion yet, and like, you cannot get there. You cannot get someone else there, um, which is going beyond sort of the confines of this question or this comment, I guess. But like, it is. I think what we're talking about is now a whole different thing. But I think it, it is always good to like. <laughs> take y'all's ideas and run with them (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think it's really good to like just kind of be someone who can be there for a friend who can remind them what they deserve without having to pointedly be like and this person fucking sucks even if they do so you know sometimes our friends date shitty people so true None of us, though. We only date great people on this podcast. Yeah, I'm just, it's so relatable to just be like, I don't know, like, none of our friends are dating people good enough for them, you know? Like, just because they're perfect and no one can come close, like, it doesn't matter, even if they're great. But it's um, true. That's how I feel all the time. If any of my friends are listening, dump him, them, or she. (laughs) Capitalized. Dump she. Dump she. I did not conjugate my pronouns just then. It was like a poster that was like man Hatton, she Hatton, they Hatton, we Hatton. And it was like, what? Just what? what? Linguistically, what is happening here? Um, Anyway, that is neither here nor there. Our next submission from Discord. Dump she Hatton. (laughs) Yeah, dump she Hatton, you know. Dump they hadn't, honestly. Um, uh, okay, so the next person says, I love when metamors become besties. Requesting that content, please and thank you. Smiley so, face emoji. Yeah, I just want to jump in and define metamors here first for folks who may not be familiar with the concept. Metamors are two people who are dating the same person but not dating each other. So, like, if I were dating Ozzy and Zoe, but Zoe and Ozzy were not dating each other, Zoe and Ozzy would be metaphors. They would be my personal lovers, but... Right, which is not how it is because Zoe and I are also dating, but... Right. It's not a hypothetical situation. We're all dating here, so (laughs) it's not really a good example, but... (laughs) (laughs) We're we're a polycule. Everyone's dating each other. Yes, just for clarity. (laughs) I also, I made the mistake of just casually using the word metamorphs the other day and no, like the people I was talking to didn't know what it meant. And I was like, oh no, like 
that was so embarrassing of me but that's so funny um I don't have this specific content to share, but I feel like this is somewhat related. I recently moved into a, for now, this current situation, fully platonic friendship with someone that I previously had a sexual relationship with. And I think this might be genuinely the first time that has ever happened successfully for me. And I'm so happy about it. And I just feel like really great about like, all that this relationship has been and is and will be and like um it's going great so that. that that is out there for you if that is something you're seeking so i was hoping to be able to share some juicy tea but i honestly did not ask my friend bef- uh in time in order to share her business but i have like a sort of similar story So I have become friends with an ex's ex before, but, like, we weren't dating them at the same time. Um, But that was fun. It wasn't, like, we became friends because of that. It's just kind of, like, there were a lot of mutual connections and it happened. But, like, I was currently dating the person and, like, this was the ex. Right. That's pretty similar then, yeah. And um, the person I was dating at the time was, like, definitely felt weird about it and was, like, was like, I just, like, don't understand how you get along. And I was like, well, you, like, clearly have a type. And, like, we vibe. <laughs> right. Like, why would that be surprising? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, like, sort of similar. It just wasn't, like, a current situation. Yeah. I feel like that's a good reminder that perhaps um, the person you're dating's reaction to this could be a good barometer for, like, how normal mm-hmm. they are to date in other ways. Mm-hmm. that's a good point but yeah laura did you want to share some juicy tea well i'm some not gonna go into too, spicy hot tea. too much detail but i will say um i did become really i became friends with a metamore uh and two things that i guess are a little bit of a cautionary tale and again, I don't want to go into details because I don't know who listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, I think that in my situation, I found myself in the person I was dating um, and who was also dating this other person uh, exhibited signs of jealousy and enviousness very quickly with any um, closeness me and the metamore had. Uh, Fast forward, and it actually ended up turning into a thruple, and spoiler alert, that uh, blew up in a pretty massive way because uh, the person who we both were dating didn't actually want that and did not communicate that. So... (laughs) I just think we got to be careful in these situations only because there are people out here who aren't healed. You know, I'm hoping that we're all dealing with people who are at least like significantly on their healing journeys, but a lot of people are not there. And, uh, you know, they might, they might say that they're cool with something, but when your intuition is telling you that they really aren't, I think sometimes we got to listen to that as well <laughs> for our own safety and protection, not because we're doing anything wrong, to be clear. Totally. Well, yeah. hope that was the content that people wanted. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it certainly was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that's 
it is, um, I don't know, yeah, like, nice to hear that that something positive has also come out of that situation, Addie. Oh, um, no. I mean, nothing positive no, came out of that situation. Nothing positive came out of it. Oh, so you're, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. I thought you were saying you are friends with the men. No longer, now. absolutely no. not, no. Okay, okay, That I person see. actually ended up okay. being extremely sorry. mean to me afterwards, so, yeah, no. <laughs> That's, yeah, okay. Enemies of Honestly, Adelaide, enemies of the pod. In case anyone is listening, if you didn't know now, if you didn't know before, you know now. No, here's the thing. Actually, there are no, I I don't have enemies, but there are people who just aren't, aren't allowed in my life. That's what I would say. Okay, well, they're my enemies. That I mean, that's great, and I appreciate your protection <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, this also came from Discord um, from one of our listeners who posted this under the heading of things that should have led to a trans awakening in the 90s, which is a great list title. Um, so this says, even though as a rivet head and member of the goth industrial scene, I totally could wear black nail polish, quote unquote, guy liner, sometimes sport black lipstick and wear the occasional skirt as a gender nonconforming bi slash queer, quote unquote, dude, that bit of being a dude never really sat right with me. Somewhere around 1991, I dated a bi gal who was a published author and I was an aspiring writer. We began collaborating on a sci-fi story together where the main characters were a telepathic couple in an ethically non-monogamous kink relationship who could be in each other's heads while they were intimate with someone else, feeling the sensations that their partner felt. And when they were intimate with each other, they could even slip into each other's head and drive their partner's bodies, experiencing the sex as though that body was their own. Um... I didn't really have too much to add to this. I just think that's hot. Thanks for sharing. Um, I love this type of like erotica and body swapping narratives. And I feel like that definitely was a part of my like gender awakening. Um, And I think like, especially more radical science fiction and fantasy is often very inherently queer or like gender queer because it's about how like sex and our relationships to each other and our bodies could be different and like, a lot of that is about queerness and transness. So, hell yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love the genre. Yeah. Also, I love that Ozzy's edition was, that's hot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all I really had to say. Love that. <laughs> and I can read our last one here. So, this is also from Discord. Um, it says, quote, I've recently become the object, object of infatuation for a baby gay, and I've mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I was a baby gay and 100% get the concept of latching on hard, in caps, to the first queer person you meet. In my case, it was my parasocial relationship with Captain Jack Harkis from Doctor Who. But on the other hand, she caught feelings for me because of interactions she's had with me at the Queer Resource Center where I work. She texts me paragraphs a day about whatever is going on in her life and about how much she likes me. It's very overwhelming and hard to navigate. I don't know how to get her to chill without making her feel awkward or unwelcome in the center. This girl only knows my work Sona, um, crying emoji. It feels like she's more in love with her idea of me and the persona I wear when working than me as a person. I just got distracted for a second because I thought that the name, I don't watch Doctor Who and I thought it was Captain Jack Harness instead of Jack Harkness. And I was like, that's fun. Anyway. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> so... I I just feel like um, 
I have been in like some similar situations to this recently, not as like close of a relationship with the person. Um, but I've just been thinking about this a lot lately for various reasons. Um, and I think it's just really important to be very like firm and clear with this person that you are not in a romantic relationship and do not want to be. And that is not on the table. And like, you know, again, like we've been talking about this whole time, read the room, like don't just yell that in a crowded area out of nowhere. But like, I think it's really important to be very explicit. Um, maybe even like a little bit earlier than you think is like the last possible moment to say something like that. Um, I think like as the older or more experienced or like, you know, older in gay years person in this relationship, um, unfortunately it is 100% on you to like properly assert those boundaries. Um, in these types of situations and in the specific one you're sharing, it seems kind of unlikely that the other person will like realize that themselves unless they're unusually self-aware. Um, so I just think like, I don't know, this it can be really hard to navigate as like a queer person who's been out a bit longer um, or just out longer than the person who's having this experience with you. Um, I think like for me, a lot of that type of attention has often come from like, straight or cis people in the chaser realm or like I don't know people who don't seem like they're ever gonna really have like a strong connection to queerness but they just like really want like a lot of information out of you sort of um and it feels a bit like I don't know like uh objectifying I guess is the mm -hmm, word I'm looking for mm -hmm. um and I think like because of those experiences even if it is just like a baby gay um having these like emotions towards you it can be like really triggering and uncomfortable um for you yourself so I just want to say like do also please be gentle with yourself um and like recognize that this can be bringing up a lot for you even if you know the other person is also going through a lot um be firm about your own boundaries because it's really important for you to also like protect your own mental health in this oh, situation. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this is a case where just like being super clear, especially because it's related to your workplace, um, just feels like there's no downside to just being very upfront. Yeah. Um, I have found myself in this situation a lot. Uh, someone once described me as aggressively affirming and I think that when a baby gay feels very seen in their queerness or transness uh, like very affirmed they can be like holy shit I can be myself with this person is this love you know butterfly meme energy um and the reality <laughs> is it's not um but they may not be able to tell the difference and setting firm boundaries with another person is a loving thing. I know it's hard to think of it that way, but it truly is. And you can be compassionate as you do it, of course, like, hey, I'm super flattered that you see me this way, but I see us as friends only. Also, if you're a person like me who feels absolutely exhausted, if someone sends you a full-on paragraph or essay via text that is intense and deep and personal and you don't even know them very well, <laughs> uh, but they've kind of latched onto you in this, in this way, I think it's good to tell people that specifically. 
Like, hey, I'm totally here for you, but if we could only chat about those more intense things in person, that would be really great. I want to be able to show up for you, but I can't do that when you send me this kind of information while I'm busy going about my day. Um, You know, obviously find out what works for you, but be clear and direct and kind. Yeah, um, I've talked about this on a past episode. I've also had a lot of experiences with this, especially... um, kind of in the past, like for me, it's been less so with age difference and more as Ozzy put it in like gay years, gay experience years. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's because like I was out at a relatively young age, like since I was um, in high school. And so other people my age who were like not yet out or were still like considering their sexuality would become like infatuated with me and kind of, um, yeah, I guess that's the main word that that comes to mind, both Mm. in like a like crushing on me way and just kind of like fascinated like wanted to like know more oh, about my energy. life oh yeah yeah for like sure, very for sure. like wow tell me more like blah blah blah, blah. you're it's just giving so different. yeah exactly <laughs> um and yeah i mean i definitely agree about communication when this was happening to me i was yeah a teenager slash up to like my early 20s before i was like i simply will not even be like opening this door um but yeah so i wouldn't say i like knew how to handle it at the time but yeah i think being clear um i think also it like makes sense that people that are newer to their queerness are seeking guidance um but that it can be really overwhelming to like put these long texts on you and that's really not um up to you to like be there for them um something i've noticed is that a lot of like more queer people with like more experience kind of feel this um draw to be there because it's like we didn't have someone like that there for us so like i want to be that person for like younger queer people And there is definitely, like, value to that. That person also doesn't have to be you. Like, that isn't really a fair expectation Mm -hmm. either. Right. Totally. Well, obviously, we solved all your problems. Um, (laughs) You're so welcome. But if you have more problems, you can submit them to us on everywhere. Um, On our Discord. Well, which you can join through Patreon at patreon.com slash seasonofthebitch. You can also send them to us through Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. You you could write them in your five-star reviews on iTunes or wherever <laughs> you get your podcast if you really want. Um, regardless, you should rate, review, and subscribe. Um, and if you want to tell us how your dating life is going, as long as there's five stars, we'll read it. We'll answer it on a future episode. Why Absolutely. not? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And communicate you can... with us through the smoke signals of that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> or through email, seasonofthebee at gmail.com. Well, I think that's everything. Hell yeah. Love you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.